Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. All right. Well, I just want to dive right in. And for everybody listening, I am so excited to bring you today's guest. I am here chatting with Beth. Beth is a no BS online nutrition and strength coach who helps chronic yo-yo dieters break free from the all or nothing mindset. And Mm -hmm. listeners are no uh, stranger to the all or nothing mindset, Beth. So I definitely want us to talk more about that. Mm -hmm. But before we do... To officially welcome you to the show, we have a get to know you question that we ask all guests. And that is, regardless of your partnering status, tell us what your dating profile would say if you had one. Married. (laughs) (laughs) Married to my high school sweetheart, I guess I could, I should say. Oh, cute. Yeah. What are the things that like, we don't know about you, like outside of your coaching persona? Who are you? Like at the end of the day, what do you love doing? Um, Well, I'm a master of all trades. So I, you know, a lot of people don't know because I'm 50, right? And I got into health and fitness in my 40s. But when I was um, graduated high school, I actually went to college to um, major in nutrition, but that went because I quit. And I like moved to California. Um, but I've been a fashion designer. I used to make um, custom clothing and it was called Rubbish Garb. This is when I lived in Los Angeles. Um, so I lived the fashion designer life for a while, which was pretty intense. You know, lots of drugs, drinking, um, fashion shows. Um, I've made... Um, custom wallets for the daytime Emmy award, uh, gift bags, um, things like that. So a lot of people, I don't really talk about that. I feel like that's another lifetime, but that was a huge part of my life for about five years when I lived in LA. I didn't know that about you, but it completely explains like the super cool glasses you're always wearing in all of your videos. Yeah. So yeah, I like funky stuff. I used to take, um, it was custom clothing. So I, my thing was making like old rock star t-shirts. I would turn them into like skirts and just, I would cut things up and, you know, just, uh, take things apart and put them back together. I would love to go to thrift stores and, you know, make, take, uh, like dress shirts and turn them into skirts. Um, all kinds of fun stuff. Now, do you still make your own clothes that way? Or like, no, that's a past life and it stays there. Yeah. Um, my husband's like, Beth, when are you going to get rid of all your stuff? It's because I have all my sewing stuff still. I used to make my own patterns. Um, and you can make patterns with um, uh, paper that uh, you're not old enough probably to, but we used to like cover our books at school with just, you know, brown paper bag. So I we can make, um, what do you want to call it? Uh patterns from brown paper bags. So I would like trace um, a shirt or something that I wanted and I would cut it and then sew it together. So I kind of like taught myself how to sew as well. Wow. You are a Jane of all trades as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was also an esthetician. So I did, um, I got my license of esthetician license in California and I did that for a while, but I couldn't sit still enough 
in a room with steam consistently going in my face. I'm like a mover or talker. Um, so that didn't work out. So <laughs> but at least now you probably know enough to like have immaculate skincare. And everyone's like, whoa, your skin is so great. It's like, probably because I know how to take care of it. No one knows I'm an estheticist. I was, you know, it's not licensed anymore, but um, so that's pretty funny. Okay. So bring me full circle. You went to school for nutrition, but then you said you, you stopped, kind of put a little yeah. in the journey, but here you are nutrition and strength mm-hmm. coach. So when did you decide to recommit to this or kind of start in a new way? Well, when I left school, I kind of went down a dark path of like drinking and drugging and, you know, California, things like that. Um, Because my father passed away four days before graduating high school. So I kind of, when I went into college, was not in a good place in the first place. I didn't deal with, with, you know, his death. And just my friend was like, let's go to California. I'm going to San Diego. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I just quit school, went to California, lived on the beach, um, ended up working at Hooters (laughs) and um, a bartending in a strip bar. See, that's this is another thing a lot of people don't know. I bartended in a strip bar for a very long time. Um, I never stripped, but I did serve drinks in a G-string and a um, backless tuxedo shirt um, with a cummerbund and a bow tie. So, um, <laughs> wow, another fun yeah, fact. I'm learning so many I know. <laughs> um, I don't even know if I've ever talked about this on any podcast. So, um, where was I going this? Oh, so what happened was, um, I just, I drank a lot throughout my years, you know, it, it was alcoholism is a progressive disease. So I found myself in my early forties, um, being a mother and a wife and really like still drinking as if I was living in California behind the bar and, you know, in the fashion design world, it, it just didn't go together and it was kind of getting worse. So I decided to quit drinking and that's how I got back into fitness. Um, my friend, um, Allison was doing a boot camp. I'm like, I want to do that before my AA meeting. Um, it was like at 530 in the morning. So I would meet her and then go to my AA meeting. And that's kind of how I got started. And then it from there, it went from me going to uh, take classes at the gym that opened up near my house. And then I was asked if I wanted to start interning to be a coach. And I was like, yeah, that actually would be really cool. So the first thing I got certified in was nutrition because that's always been my passion. Um, and I knew that... Uh, from taking the classes with these women and also myself that we were all working really hard, but nothing was really changing. And I would talk to these women like, you know, we're, we're in here five days a week. We're crushing our workouts, but you know, we are not losing fat. I'm like, yeah, I've been the same weight for an entire year. And you know, I wanted to lose some fat and realized it, it was nutrition that is the driver of fat loss. So that's kind of, you know, how that got started. And then I became a certified personal trainer later. Um, I didn't want to, but I added that to. Why not? Uh, you know, yeah. You so have that's so how many I got started on your resume. What's one more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Beth, did I hear you correctly? This didn't start like the the nutrition and fitness kind of passion. I guess we can say until you were in your forties. Yeah, I mean, I've always I was always active, but I never got into strength training. Um, I was didn't really wasn't the health and wellness industry um, until you know about seven eight years ago. Wow! Mm-hmm. Now, what happened after you started pursuing nutrition, getting your personal trainer cert? Like, did you go through a transformation, and then you were like, "God, yeah. this is awesome! I want to help other people do this." Yeah. So when I um. Right when I was getting certified in nutrition, I was actually in Jordan Syatt's inner circle. 
So I started learning from him and, um, you know, he's like, you need to track your calories and weigh and measure your food. So once I started doing that and then taking my class, I was like, oh, I started losing fat. I'm like, this is it. Oh my God. I can't believe I did not know this before. Um, so that's when I really became passionate about it. And I was also in-person coaching in the gym for at least four or five years before I became an online um, nutrition strength coach. Wow. I think this is so inspirational because I think the story a lot of us tell ourselves is that, oh, it's too late. Like yeah. I didn't jump on the like exercise train. Now I'm just not someone who can be physically fit or mm-hmm. I've always eaten like this. Like this is just how I learned to eat. So like, whatever, I yeah. can't really change my habits at this point. Yeah. You can change any, t- gosh, people, are- when someone tell asks me, you know, I'm 50, is it too late? I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. People just are willing to settle um, where they are. And to me, that's unacceptable. Like when, before I quit drinking, I knew if I didn't quit drinking, I would either die or someone else would be dead or I'd be in jail. And I knew there was something more to my life than continuing down the path that I was. Mm. Um, so, you know, change is hard, but it, it needs to be done uh, if you, you know, want to become a better person and you can become a better person at any time, any time in your life. You only have one life. Um that's what I, I've had so many people die in my life, I guess you could say, especially my father, that it's like important to me um, that, you know, I am using the best I can in all areas of my life to live my best life. I can relate in some regard in that my younger brother passed away from substance use several years ago. And that like, there's just nothing like an event like that where you lose a loved one. Yeah. But it, it sounds as though we both have that like, oh my God, life is short sort of reminder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, People forget that. They'll see a tragic event be like life's too short, but then they continue on their ways. It's like, um, aren't you going to <laughs> actually notice that life really is too short? People, I just think just don't really get it until yeah. it's too late. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. But I love mm-hmm. that you are like an example of someone who can change any day of the week, like any month of the year, any, Mm -hmm. at any age. That's so inspirational. Now I do have a question because you said in your forties, you were married, you were a mom. Did your family kind of come along with you through this transformation? Like, was it hard for them to kind of be like, Beth, what the heck? Like, who are you now in comparison to like the version of you that they always knew? Like, did they still Um, have different, less healthy habits or did they kind of like see you and your like healthier lifestyle. And they were like, I'm on board. Let's do it. It's not that I didn't really have any healthy habits. I wasn't, I always kind of ate really well. I, I, you know, I would say I was orthorexic, orthorexic at one point. So I was one of those alcoholics that would um, juice and, you know, take all kinds of crazy supplements and, um, you know, not have any sugar and, you know, crazy. Um, While I was telling my husband that he was having um, too much ice cream, I'm downing a bottle of wine. So I was that type of person. And if you know from my videos, (laughs) I bring that up kind of a lot when people are like, oh, I can't believe you're drinking diet soda. It's so so much poison. It's like, no, it's not. You're drinking alcohol. That's actually an actual fucking poison. And but I know at the same time, these people that are defending alcohol were the me's that was doing the same thing. You know, my husband would be having some ice cream, but you know, here I am downing a bottle of wine, telling him how bad it is. Um, I was such a hypocrite. So, uh, you know, I'm not the first person to, to be like these other people that are coming at me. Um, it's just, it happens, but you have to, once you know better, you do better. Um, but my husband always, 
he still he's doing a lot better though um he eats like it's 1975 he's like steak and potatoes um you know he doesn't eat any vegetables barely um (laughs) i just started getting him to eat more protein he's just starting to um actually since march get into the gym with me and start strength training but it took him it took him a long time to get there and you know for a while i would be like come on like you know kind of badgering him then i just let that go i'm like you you no one's going to change by you forcing them so just lead by example so i've just been leading by example and it kind of just trickled um to the rest of the family wow and he's doing it in his own timeline i love that yeah yeah i mean it took a freaking long time but hey better, better late, late than, than never, never you know as- yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so you kind of brought this up. This is one of my like hot seat coaching questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Aspartame, artificial sweeteners, as carcinogen, like we know the WHO just kind of came out with a recommendation to avoid artificial sweeteners and you sort of clapped back with a, you're Dr. Pepper gal, right? Yeah, I love yeah. Dr. Pepper, zero sugar uh, strawberries yes. and, and cream. Yeah, Strawberries and cream, that's right. Mm-hmm. Tell us kind of what your coaching thoughts are on artificial sweetener. You started to tease it a little bit in terms of like, you're drinking alcohol. Don't come out. Yeah. Well, alcohol is an actual poison, right? It, it actually causes cancer. You know, aspartame caused cancer in rats, but at astronomical amounts. I mean, we would have to drink. I don't even know. I think it's like 32 cans a day, but it, it wouldn't even cause cancer for us. Um, there's so many studies. And also, I, I don't know the name of the, I think it's the IOC. They're not even like a legit, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, so the studies, there's still the studies there that does not cause cancer. You just have to listen to the people that study the science, like Lane Norton, Dr. IDZ. He does a lot of breakdown um, of, you know, the science information behind that. There is a, a Dr. Adrian Chavez, um, Langer Nutrition, Abby Langer, she's another one. So you just have to focus on the science and not read the fear-based headlines, which everyone is like, aspartame is no a carcinogen. Well, so is your cell phone. And so is, um, I believe it's like sauerkraut and kimchi and things like that. And the sun. Yeah. So it's like you have to really like know how to read research and not just believe the people that are like the... Uh, Fear, 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 because fear sells. Yes. I was listening to um, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. I'm sure you Yeah. And his mm-hmm. brother, they have a podcast where they were just talking about the WHO recommendations. And I thought it was a really great breakdown in terms of it's not recommended to drink like diet beverages or anything with artificial sweetener for the purpose of weight loss. So just because you start drinking diet Dr. Pepper diet doc, like diet dr coke diet coke <laughs> you're going to like immediately experience body composition change no of course not but if yeah. you're used to drinking sugar sweetened beverages like regular soda and then you transition to a diet yeah. beverage for sure you're going to see amazing results but what i didn't know that they brought up in this podcast episode is they actually had two cohorts of people and one of the cohorts was drinking water and then transitioned to artificial sweetened beverages there was no health improvement whatsoever. Like there was no health change whatsoever. Yeah. So I think it's kind of like, what's the expression? Making a mountain out of a molehill molehill or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. first of all, we don't know how to read the research. And then yeah. the headlines are very like, 
you know, market employee, like, hey, right. I'm going to kill you, eat an egg yolk and you're dead, you know, right. in reality, there's so much more nuance to it. But I, thing, I just yeah. love how simple you make it in your clapback videos in terms of like, dude, don't come yeah. at me. You're it's like people that. don't really, they get really violently angry. It's crazy. Like they can't take a joke about it. They'll, I'm unfollowing you. I can't believe you're pushing this. It's like, okay, why don't you go get your Botox, go drink your bottle of fucking wine, and then tell me that, you know, one diet soda a day is horrible for me. And I cannot believe that you're a nutrition coach. That does not make sense to me. I mean, (laughs) people are just, you know, they'll go to the deaths to defend the alcohol um, rather than a diet soda, which is, you know, no one's committing manslaughter drinking diet soda on the roads. I mean, we need to get real here, people. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a perspective shift for sure. Let's talk about alcohol for a second. So yeah, you chose to live a sober life. How long ago was that? Um, It'll be eight years in August. And I saw you just posted, I thought on threads about how like, God, I never like miss having a hangover the next Mm -hmm. day. How did your life change when you stopped drinking alcohol? Uh, Everything changed everything. Um, I mean, of course, the first year or two even um, was very difficult because we're a society that's, you know, basically alcohol surrounds us everywhere. Everything everybody does is related to alcohol. At least in the beginning, I was like, God, what am I going to do? You know, um, people drink, bring alcohol to their kids' games, uh, birth, the kids' two-year-old birthday parties, parents are drinking. Um, it's literally fucking everywhere. Airplanes, um, And one thing that I thought was really interesting is when I quit drinking, I got into running. So I started doing a lot of races. And at the end of the race, they would hand out beers. And I'm like, I can't even get away from this in a healthy, I thought, environment, which what I didn't know is like running and races, there's a ton of alcoholics. I mean, they're given free drink tickets. It's like, okay, I just ran a half marathon. The last thing I want is a fucking beer. Um, But that's what they do. So it's everywhere. Um, but then once you get kind of like away from it, you realize that it's not me with the problem. It's everyone else. It's the alcohol industry that that's the issue. It's become so normalized, um, that people don't think they can actually function on a day to day or even deal with stress or their kids without a drink. And to me, that's really sad. Um, like it's not your kid's fault (laughs) that, Hey, you had them, you chose to have the children, um, and now you're blaming the kids for making you want to drink. That doesn't make sense to me. They're just being children. You don't need a cocktail. In fact, you'd be a better parent if you did not drink. And I'm finding that I am a way better parent. I'm actually more um, patient um, with my child. I have more fun. I do more things with my children rather than when I was drinking. I kind of didn't want to do anything with them or they annoyed me or they were fighting too much. But no, it was actually me. I was the problem, mm-hmm. not my kids. Um, so I think parents need to really take a look at that. Really uh, so much. Um, but yeah, I became a better parent, a better wife. Um, I'm now, you know, a business owner. This would have never have happened if I was still drinking. I would never be a coach sitting here or even being on a podcast, having my own podcast um, at all, for sure. How does it, uh, I'm assuming you coach clients who still choose to enjoy alcohol from time to time. How, what's your take on like how alcohol impacts body composition progress or like someone with a fat loss goal? Obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but you're story is a huge testament to the fact that it can powerfully change your life in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. How about physically? 
Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that your actions have to match your goals, right? You still, if you want, if you have a body comp recomposition goal, fat loss goal, um, you shouldn't be drinking every night and partying on the weekends um, and then blaming everything else on the fact that you can't lose weight. Well, alcohol, it's like a trickle effect. Okay. You know, you're drinking, you're getting shaky sleep. Don't tell me that you're, you know, you get the best sleep when you're drunk. No, you're passed out. You don't get any REM sleep, then you probably won't be working out the next day because you're tired or hungover. And then, you know, you're going to want some greasy food. So it, it's just a little like domino effect. Um, also women in their forties, if fifties, if they're going through menopause, um, alcohol is like pouring gasoline on your menopause symptoms. So if you're one of those that are like, you know, I have horrible menopause symptoms, but you're drinking your wine all the time, take a look at the wine consumption um, that you're, you know, doing it's not not good, but um, I think a lot of people come to me to actually um, help them, you know, with stopping drinking as well. They want to better their life, um, but you know, it always comes down to, um, you know, maybe giving them the challenge, like let's let's try two weeks of not drinking, and then maybe thirty days, um, and then they'll start to notice. Oh, I feel a lot better. They're going to start to see more results because the drinking really was holding them back. Okay, so that was my next question is in terms of someone struggling with substance use, typically the recommendation is cold turkey. You just nix it, you cut it out completely. However, when it comes to like changing nutrition behaviors and health behaviors, sometimes there's like a weaning process or like a gradual, you know, messy middle moderation zone. Do you find that there's one that works better than another? Does it depend on the client? I think it depends. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, everyone's different. Some people are, the 30 days are like very scary. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, let's do, okay, let's do week by week. Sometimes people need day by day. But, you know, this also depends on their dependency on alcohol as well. Some people may need more help than I can give them. You know, that's wild that people are coming. I mean, wild in a good way that people are yeah. like, oh, you've done this. You've completely transformed, mm-hmm. you know, your habits in terms of, depending on or relying on alcohol and now kind of replacing it with healthier coping mechanisms. Yeah. I want that too. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I also have two coaches on my team that are sober, which is cool. Wow. That is very cool. I love this perspective. So I'm sober, but I grew up in a family that didn't really drink a whole lot, Mm -hmm. like conservative Christian vibes. We weren't like into alcohol very much. Then I met my husband who comes from the complete opposite end of the spectrum, like Uh New Yorker type family, like always a drink at every celebration. Yeah, And I ultimately decided I didn't need it. Like I didn't miss it when I stopped having it. But most recently we adopted our son whose birth parents, his birth mother struggles with substance use. And she actually went into liver failure uh, a couple of years ago and they didn't think she was going to make it. So it was really important for her that he be raised in a family where, you know, a sober example was set. And that's not to say that my husband doesn't still enjoy an occasional drink, but I felt like I felt really strongly about wanting to set a different example. And of course, with my brother's experience, you know, with substance use, I think sometimes it's just, it's important for me that my son sees, oh, you don't have to drink in order to have a good time. Like there are so many other ways that you can celebrate something with family or you can, you know, relax after a long day. So I think it's great to have role models like yourself where 
you seem like a heck of a good time. You can have right. a great time. You can be fun, but like you don't have to be tossing back the drinks. Yeah. And that's another thing I thought I would, uh, you know, life of the party. Woo. I would never be funny again. I would never have fun. That's so far from the truth, though. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I agree with you, though, from a like fat loss perspective. Oftentimes we're blind to the calories that we're consuming when they're liquid calories. Of course, it's easier to kind of overlook yeah. those. And then it's sort of the gateway to, oh, pass the nachos and the guac and like that we just consume them in a heaping amount and don't really even think about it. And then, like you said, the way you feel the next day is then going to set you up to make less goal supportive decisions. Yeah. I mean, you obviously you can lose fat drinking, but you, you know, it's it's like beating a dead horse after a while. It's like, okay. Okay, how far can I push the limits with this? You know, if you are trying to make sure that you get your wine macros in before anything else, I mean, I don't know. That to me, that's you'd rather have a freaking smoothie for dinner because you're going to drink a bottle of wine later. That you have to really look at yourself at that point. Right. Yeah. Let's look at like the motivation behind these behaviors. Right. Like what's more important to you right now? Getting your wine in or, or what here? Speaking of, I think you mentioned you have history with like orthorexia. How did you get from that angle, which is like, I'm being very strict. I'm being very aggressive in terms of like what I do and don't allow myself to eat because of the nutritional property of the food. And now what I see of you is very like, if I want this, I'm going to have it, right? Like I'm going to enjoy a small bit of it and like move on with my life, not the end of the world. How did you embrace that like messier middle space coming from an all or nothing thinker? I think, you know, tracking my food and realizing that um, getting my protein in and just learning about the food that I'm eating and how it makes me feel and realizing that, you know, this donut is not going to make me fat. Um, Being orthorexic was very, I don't even know how to say this, but it was very uh, mentally draining, (laughs) you know? Um, the thought process of just how I thought about food and just very this and that and good or bad food. I, I had to heal my relationship with food, um, as well, which I would say, you know, happened within the first few years of coaching. I was still going through my, you know, own journey with like, okay, you know, this food is not bad. No food is good or bad. Um, but that took a while too. So it, it, it takes a while to heal from, from that. But once you, once it clicks, it clicks. And now it's like, okay, I, I'm actually healthier than I was before when I had this black and white thinking of like good and bad. Um, my mental health sucked. Um, I was still, um, overweight and I was drinking. So, you know, it's a much better place. Now you're eating more donuts and you're healthier. Yes. Yes. So much (laughs) mentally and physically. (laughs) No, you mentioned there's kind of like a switch, right? Where you finally get it. Does that mean that you don't struggle thinking that way anymore? Like, do you never have thoughts of like, oh God, I shouldn't eat this or like, oh, this is a good food, bad food. Like, do you still hear it, but it's just quiet? Is it completely a non-issue for you? That's a good question. I think I still do hear it sometimes. Um, But it's more of like, how can I balance this out within my day kind Mm -hmm. of thing? Like, okay, you know, probably shouldn't have three donuts today. Um, (laughs) One is good enough. You know, kind of that kind of thing. But then also realizing I have to talk myself off the ledge sometimes like, okay, but even if you still had three donuts, you're still going to be fine. But why did you have those three? You know, it's consistent things that I ask my clients, like, let's think about, you know, what were your reasonings? And I I like that, that I'm doing that now because I'm actually questioning myself and my actions, which I never really did before. 
I was just like, this is this and this is that. But now I can actually look at the mental side of it, which people don't understand, like food and um, how we, you know, our mental health is like really correlated. Um, Like if I'm overeating, why am I doing that to myself? Okay, what's going on? What, you know, do I need a hug? (laughs) So it's a journey for sure. You say that, but it's so true. I actually just a couple of weeks ago had a client and she was like, honestly, whenever I'm reaching for the cookie, I think if my partner just came up behind me and gave me a hug, I wouldn't want the cookie anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Sometimes yeah. it's just doing that deep dive of like, what am I looking for from this food that like right? food can't give me, but it's yeah. accessible and it's delicious. So it makes for right? mm-hmm. an easy out. I feel the same way in terms of, so I have a history with anorexia and a classic all or nothing thinking, sign me up, front row seat. Mm-hmm. But I have done a lot of work on my relationship with food and you know my psych psychology end of things. But I still feel like the way that I describe it is like, you know, the ads you see on Facebook or Instagram where I, I just don't even pay attention. It's like skinny tea. Oh, you just like keep flying by, right? Like it's kind of white noise in the background, but mm-hmm. it gets zero energy for me anymore. It gets like yeah. zero traction, but I do think it's a, it's a process to get there at the yeah. beginning of recovery. It's like, Oh, you see that. And then it's like it's the shiny squirrel. It distracts you. You go down that path maybe and fall back into all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it ever completely goes away. Right. Yeah. But I, I think too, it depends on like how in your face those types of situations are. Like mm-hmm. you put yourself in such a healthy environment, surround yourself with like-minded people and it's going to be yeah. weird to yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. Your environment is is also a big um, um, thing and people's, you know, success as well. You know, having that social support for sure. Beth, I need to ask you, this is kind of like left field compared to what we've been talking about. Yeah. We had a video on uh, weight loss injections. I think you were responding to a comment on Instagram that mm-hmm. I saw and I loved, loved, loved your response. Can you tell us like what your thoughts are in terms of um, Ozempic, Wagovi, like things like that, weight loss injections? Yeah. Um, I think that first you like people should talk to their doctors, you know, <clears throat> and also Obesity is a disease. Um, like Dr. Nadolsky says, it's like some people actually, their hunger hormones are all off. Um, they like, this is life saving for some people. And if, but you know, that's who I, I want people that need it for life saving purposes, like quality of life, you know? Um, but if you're using it for vanity weight, I mean, that's, that's where I draw the line. Um, a lot of people, you still, no matter if you're taking these um, weight loss drugs or not, need to focus on your habits. Mm-hmm. Um, you still need to focus on getting that protein in, um, strength training, because what these weight loss injections do is it suppresses your appetite. So if you're not getting your protein in, you're not strength training, you're going to lose weight, but you're probably going to lose muscle and bone and things like that. So that's why it's important to A, be under the care of a doctor, not getting it from online or your chiropractor, which I've heard clients come to us and say, you know, my chiropractor offered it to me. Okay, that's weird. Or my dermatologist offered it to me. Yes, they should not be doing. Um, There's a lot of, you know, side effects that... um, are could be life threatening. So you need to be under the care of a doctor um, that knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's like, sure. line. I mean, you need to have some medical support, like a plan yeah. for either coming off of it at some point or, you know, whether you need to be on it long-term, but that's I, the thing. Yeah. 
have a former client and she reached out to me recently and she was like, I, I just want every, I want all of your listeners to know, I want all of your clients to know my doctor recently put me on Ozempic and she was like, it's not the answer. Everybody thinks it is like, you still mm-hmm. need your healthy habits yeah, underlying all of it. Cause she was saying, yeah, she doesn't need as much food, but she has enough nutrition education now to know I'm also not getting any nutrients. Like I'm, mm-hmm. am I getting what my body needs to feel good long-term? Like it's hard if you just feel like your appetite is so suppressed. And then when you do eat, you just want, I don't know, a cracker or something, you know, right. something simple carb related. Yeah. It's not everything it's cracked up to be, but it's saving some people's lives. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something and I totally forgot. It happens. Well, while you're thinking about it, while it's marinating, uh, can you tell us the difference between, because I completely agree with you, the difference between obesity and vanity weight? Like, is there a cutoff point? Ooh, that's a good question. I consider someone obese, you know, if you're, this is where the BMI is like off, right? You can go into the doctor and be 20, 30 pounds overweight and someone's, the doctor's be like, well, or you're going to be diagnosed as obese, which is that to me, that's come on. 30, 40, even 50 pounds. I say if someone needs to lose a hundred plus pounds, that's where, and that is something that you've been struggling with your entire life. Like you cannot for the life of you figure it out, or you are just consistently struggling and you've been overweight for years. Um, I think that's who that is designed for. But if you have 30, 40 pounds of, you know, weight to lose because you have been overeating or you um, have been stressed or you have been drinking and, you know, things like that, like you need to change your habits. You know, I don't even know if there's a line to be drawn, but I'd say vanity weight is like 10, 20, 30 um, pounds. In my brain, the biggest differentiator is if you ask someone and maybe I'm wrong, but this is just how I think about it. Mm-hmm. Could you change? Like, is there any habit that you feel like could be healthier, could be changed and like is within your control? So a yeah. lot of us know, oh, I could be like, I could be moving my body more or I could be, you know, prioritizing more vegetables. I don't know how, or maybe I've just never kind of expanded my repertoire to include that type of thing. I've never had like support from anyone, so I'm not doing it. But like, I know that what I need to do in order to like be healthier, I think the person who feels like they're trying everything that they can, or they have tried and literally just can't escape those like food thoughts, that constant obsession with food. And like you said, you know, maybe it's been decades or years where they've constantly struggled with their weight, maybe not necessarily because they've been dieting. Like I think dieting is another reason why a lot of us have excess weight that we feel like we can't get rid of because we've just chronically crash dieted, which of Mm -hmm. course is not going to land us with any sustainable results. That's a really hard question. I don't know that. It is. It really is. It, you know, it's like, where do you draw the line? I think if, you know, a lot of people don't want to do the work, they'd rather take a weight loss you know, pill, but then there's other people that uh, have tried to do the work consistently and have had no luck. Um, Yeah, I think it really is individual. And you really need to take a hard look at like, if you can or cannot change your habits without the weight loss um, injection. It's one of those things. It's like, gosh, it's such a individual answer. And like, I don't know, people on the internet want my approval. Um, So I kind of steer or steer away from it a lot. So I after like the hundredth millionth um, time that I was like asked about, I was like, finally, I'll make a, I'll make a video, but um, you know, 
It's a hot topic right now. I can see why lots of people are curious about it, but there's mm-hmm. just, there's so much nuance, which I think is why I would also say, and you've said before, medical professional, like you gotta have yeah. somebody that knows the ins and outs of the drug, of the side effect of your personal health story. Like you've got to be working with yeah. someone. Who's like monitoring you. Mm-hmm. you know? Yes. I also have people that have come to me that were on these drugs and got off them. And now their hunger hormones are all over the place. They um, are hungry all the time that, you know, things like that. So it's like, you got to be careful with this shit. Um, you know? I was listening to a podcast and I am going to say it was a Mike Milner podcast. Mm. Um, Don't quote me on that though. But I think he was talking with a physician about weight loss injections. And they said that what the research shows is that the closest thing we can do lifestyle intervention wise is eat a sufficient amount of protein. Like it Mm -hmm. does the same thing that the weight loss injection does to hunger and appetite. Makes sense. Yeah. So at the very least, before you inquire uh, with your physician, try eating enough protein. And see I know, which a lot of people it. don't don't do. They they fight it. It's like, why are you fighting the magic macronutrient? I, I you know, when people are like, I can't have fruit. It shoots my blood sugar up. It's like we'll pair it with some protein. Right. Fruit also has fiber, you guys. So, I, you know, um, fiber and protein. Just eat that stuff. You just you know, season your vegetables. You can have a vegetable. Um, most people just don't want to eat vegetables or they think they don't know how to cook. So they think vegetables taste like shit, which they don't if you actually know how to cook them. Same thing with protein. I feel like, oh, I get clients all the time. They're like, can I have something other than chicken? And I'm like, yeah, there's so many other options, but there are a finite amount of options when it comes to like animal sources of protein. Mm -hmm. You just got to learn how to make it differently. Like whether that's spices and seasonings or cooking styles. Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's so many protein options. People are like, I don't, I, I don't want to eat all meat. I'm like, you don't have to have all meat. <laughs> Google is a great source. To try <laughs> it sometime. You know, when they're like, I don't know any protein sources. Well, why aren't you looking that up? Right. You know, you can find that literally on Google. I, I there's not people don't too much misinformation if you Google something as simple as what counts. Right, but people don't want to take the action steps to actually, you know, figure it out for themselves. So they're just going to sit there and be like, I don't know how to get it. <laughs> Um, okay. Then you don't really care or you don't want to make a change. Take, take some action steps to, you know, you, it's a priority. If it's not, um, then stop complaining. Mm. Yeah. That's people, people would rather complain about how things aren't working, but they're not making anything a priority. Mm. I think you had a post about this recently where you were like, stop complaining and like focus on what you can control, right? Because yeah. there's so much you can control. Now there's a lot outside of your control, but like, you know, we could just go round and round in circles if we want to complain about that all day. But mm-hmm. in terms of, let's say last five minutes, Beth, we'll do sort of like a, in terms of fat loss, mm-hmm. what are the things that we can control that we should be focusing the majority of our effort on? If you're physically capable, you can control your walking, right? You can get into the gym and start strength training. You can control your portions. Um, you can control the fact that you're eating more fiber, more protein, um, sleep. That could be, you know, iffy, iffy in the control department because some people really do struggle with sleep, but that's very important. Hydration, stress. Um, there's things that you can do and none of this is overnight, but I've, think people forget is that if you actually start focusing on those boring things, basic, um, you're only going to better your health. You may not lose fat because maybe you're not in a calorie deficit, but you are going to get healthier just by focusing on those things. 
And it'll be way easier to lose body fat and be in a caloric deficit yes. if you're doing all those things. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I but couldn't people, agree People more. like to overcomplicate it. Yeah. I think it's because it doesn't feel as exciting, right? Like yeah. trying something new that has a list of rules and foods we can and can't eat feels, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something shiny about it. Whereas you People say, love rules. And I do too. I get it. But I love lasting results more. I love things that actually leave me feeling good for longer than 30 days more. So I think we just have to sit down with ourselves and be like, what am I really valuing here? Like, what am I placing value on when I want something that's like quick fix, hard and fast rule versus let me actually do the work that's slow and boring and takes time, but actually produces results. Yeah. Or they were like, I need pre-workout, but they're not getting any sleep. It's like a lot of people like to focus on what are they, what's the saying that um, Matt and I use all the time. It's like, uh, stop trying to major in the minors. A lot of people will try to major in the minors. Like think about like, should I do fasted cardio or unfasted cardio? Just do cardio. Like stop thinking about like, like the best or, you know, should I walk fast or should I walk slow? Just fucking walk, you know, things like that. It's like people like to overcomplicate it and then they don't take any action steps because they think if they don't do it a certain way and it's not perfect, they're not going to see any results. But when they just have to actually do something. It's the classic precision nutrition. You're mowing your lawn while your house is on fire. Right. (laughs) But I eat organic, even though I'm not eating any produce right now. Like, should it be organic produce? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Beth, where can everybody listening find you, connect with you online, learn more about the work that you do with your clients? Um, BethFrockoFitness.com. And I'm also Beth Frock, uh, Beth Frocko Fitness everywhere. Tw- no, not Twitter. It's threads now. Threads. Um, threads, um, Instagram, TikTok, all Beth Frocko Fitness. And then I have a podcast called Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt. That's on all podcast platforms. I love it. We'll link everything below. I really appreciate you coming to share your no BS nutrition perspective with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. I will definitely be sending everyone your way. Go watch Beth's video. She likes to say fuck a lot. And she (laughs) also just has a very like clear cut, no BS kind of approach, which in the world of misinformation these days, I really appreciate. So thank you. You're the best, Beth. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.